Australian, episode 63. The best advice I can give somebody is that in the markets, you will get paid to wait. And if you're not going to wait, you will be paying the market. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial, trading, or investing advice of any kind. What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Nut Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins. And today we've got Raja Rakil on the show. Now, Raja is also known as Wix Don't Lie. Uh, I heard about him about three years ago, watched one of his videos, and uh, I intended to watch a lot more. But for whatever reason, and you're going to find out in a few minutes when we get into the show why it's taken me this long to get him on. Okay, so this is um, something worthwhile listening to because it does sort of give a very polarized view or polar opposite view of, you know, how things can be perceived and what reality is. Uh, you'll you'll be interested. You'll be interested not just in that, but you'll also be interested in the rest of the interview. You probably want to listen to it a few times because there's a lot of nuggets in here that if you go back and listen to, you'll sort of pick them up, maybe not the first time, but the second or third time. So it's a really good interview. We did a video at the end of it as well. So guys, a lot of content here to look forward to sinking your teeth into. Right, so before we get into it, uh, I just want to touch uh, touch on the uh, what's happened in this week, the tragic news around, um, or tragic events around Kobe Bryant. Now, I want to touch on it because really did affect me for maybe two days. I was really, uh, couldn't stop thinking about it, uh, really did affect me. And look, I've got to be honest, I didn't even know, really know Kobe Bryant. Didn't follow his life, didn't um, didn't see a lot of his games, if, if any of his games. I might have seen a few highlight reels here or there, and that was about it. I watched a lot of basketball when I was growing up, but it was in the Jordan era, um, Patrick Ewing, Scotty Pippen, those sort of guys, and then I left to go overseas, and I just couldn't watch any basketball anymore, and I sort of lost touch with it. But I did know about this guy, Kobe Bryant, that came on the scene and was tipped to be the new Jordan and, and all this sort of stuff, So, uh, and completely missed his whole career, which is a shame because um, I'm now hearing a whole lot of great stuff about the guy. What I do want to touch on here for you guys out there listening is the fact that, like, it just really hit home that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen during the day or even during the night for that matter. You wake up, you expect to come back, have your dinner, go to bed. Sometimes, or one time, that is not going to happen, okay? And you don't know what day it's going to be. So guys, please make the most of your day. Make the most of today. Whatever day it is, make the most of tomorrow, the day after. These days are special. So if it's you know focusing on your trading, if it's doing something else, spending time with your family, do it with all the gusto that you've got. Because, you know, who knows what day is the day that is your last day on the planet, which does happen for everyone. Hard to really comprehend as a human, but this is life. And it's one of these things that this thing really just did hit home with me, this this helicopter crash. This is one of the big things that hit home. It's like, you don't, you just don't know. All right, guys, without um, going on about that too much, I want to get into this interview, which is a fantastic show we put together here with Raja. So, guys, here we go. Let's get into it. Oh, I forgot to mention the guys who have headed to the bar bought me a beer at the tradingnut.com website. So, guys, I want to say thanks to Chris Howard and also Jado Lavo for buying me a beer. Guys, thank you very much for heading to the bar. If you guys want to hear your name on the podcast or if you've got a funny message or a special message you want to let the listeners know about, then head over to tradingnut.com and underneath the episodes you'll see a little button. Go and click that and you can pop in a wee donation at the bar. All right, folks, on with the interview. All right, folks, so we've got Raja Rakil here, otherwise known as Wix Don't Lie, uh, on the podcast today. So how are you doing, Raja? Good, man. Good, good. How are you? 
Good, good. Look, you know, second attempt here, first attempt yesterday failed. Someone had turned, and I'm guessing it was one of my daughters, had turned my microphone off at the little button, which never happens. Took me 40 minutes to work out, but anyway, we got here. Oh, wow. Um, so, look, today we're sort of going to go through, you know, your life and times as a, as a trader, how you got there. But before I do, I want to sort of, um, I suppose, open up the floor here because I've, I've had a, you know, I've heard about you guys at the uh, the Forex family Many years ago, like three three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago, we had uh, a guy named Rag on the show. I, I don't even think we mm-hmm. got his last name. Um, he was on on the show, and then I sort of looked into it, you know, at that point in time, and um, and all of a sudden I sort of you know thought, or some people started coming to me, going, "Oh no, they're all scamming people and blah 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 and all this sort of stuff." And I was like, "Okay, that's it. Well, I won't interview them." Um, and that's yeah. been the sort of status quo for the last three years. And here I am now, because um, I watched one of your videos. I'm talking to you here now. There's a reason for that, um, and yeah. the reason is that uh, somebody I, I I've got a lot of respect for and trust has actually come to me and said, you've got to get these guys on the show because I've been watching their live streams for weeks and weeks. I trade to their live streams and mm. um, I see exactly what trades they're placing and I can see that these guys are profitable nine out of 10 days and they're, they're definitely no scammers and even people on the live streams are asking, can I get mentorship? And you're just saying, just go and watch the live streams because yeah. that's all the mentoring <laughs> you need. Um <laughs> And this, you know, it's not just someone I trust. This guy who's who's, a, who's been in the Australian Financial Review, who trades, yeah. you know, five figures a week, and um, you know, good five figures a week as well. So, look, what do you, what, what's what's your side of the story? Because it's it's always good to get the other side of the story here. <clears throat> well, you know, like um, so, I think the I call it the social trading environment. The social trading environment is generally it's a very very toxic trading environment. Right, like you have guys from all sorts of backgrounds looking to make quick, quick buck here and there. So um, I'll give you a quick uh, background of how all this started. Um, so when I first started, I started to look for people to try to, like you know, try to help me with questions I had and this and that. So, so the main issue I had was whenever I would contact somebody, they would try to pitch me a sale for a course or sale for a mentorship or or sale for signals. And I always look back and said, man, like, you know, there has to be a much more streamlined way. You know, there has to be something out there where you could just like, you know, go on and ask questions and get your quick answer back and move on with your day. So um, I said to myself, okay, you know, you know what, if I get to a level where people start looking at me as some sort of an influence on their trading career, I might want to start to do some sort of live streams. Right. And um, the time couldn't have been perfect because, like, you know, um, as you grow older, as you grow bigger as a group, um, you get some toxic people in it, which don't have the right intention. So I think that's what happened. And at that time, I think this was August 2018, um, August 2018. So before August 2018, we used to have private webinars every morning. Right. And um we used to talk about like, oh, what if these webinars were open for the public? They would just come on and they would just see us trade and they would just say, oh, wow, look at these guys. You know, they're doing so good. So we're like, okay, let's do that. So we started live from Twitch. I'm not sure if you were there when we had Twitch. No, no, no. Okay. I've okay. literally got yeah, a big so, big sea yeah. of uh, nothingness between the Raj interview and now. <laughs> And I watched it. Oh, yeah. I watched one this week, and that was a, that was when I started. Yeah. yeah. So we started Twitch. So we started Twitch from Twitch. We moved to Mixer. Mixer is another online, you know, uh, streaming platform. And then finally, we moved to YouTube. And um, what happened was that this 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 whole facade of like you know like all these guys being scammers and stuff that all got removed because now we were on the live streams and we were breaking down the market. So it it was like trading commentary as the candles are forming you know on your 15 minute time frame 30 minute time frame so so we're doing commentary and if we're taking position we're actually calling out our trades with stop losses and take profits and like you know basically uh having accountability for our losses and wins live and after that's done we would post them on our social social media and say okay you know this was the profit and if you can get match it all up it all makes sense so slowly this whole facade of like, you know, this, this, the word or the, um, I'd say the, uh, like the word scamming that got removed because you could just see what was happening live. Yeah. 
you know so and yeah, that's that's thing. exactly what uh, Cameron came back and um, and sort of said, like you know, hey, these guys are. Uh, I've been watching them. He he sits there and watches you every day, and uh, he can see that you know you're going in and out of trades. And I said, is this something that people could almost take as signals and use if they wanted to follow the trades? Given the fact you know you are literally there, and he said, yeah, I think some people are doing that, um, which. I suppose is a yeah. I mean, it's a it's a different way to look at it, but it's 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 definitely because not often do you see people in and out of trades in an open trading room. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, because like once that started to happen, um, we started to have like a strong foothold in the social trading environment because you know then people started to look at it as that okay so we can come on these streams and we can ask questions we can share our charts and these are these guys are just going to review the charts and that's what started to happen so now when people ask me hey like you know do you offer mentorship my next answer is well like you know what before we would talk about mentorship these are the live streams you can hop on and you can just really gauge what we do if you like it only then you can sign up otherwise there's free information you know we had to help you out because man i think the biggest problem people have is with discipline you agree with that yeah 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 completely yeah so what we've seen is we've seen is like let's say um let's say if i'm going to take two trades in the morning right if i'm going to take two trades in the morning and if i'm break even for the day i'm going to call it a day you know but then you have your average trader that let's say people are copying the trades, right? So let's say if they take those same two trades, they're at break even, what's going to happen is that they will sit on the market for another hour or two, and then they're going to be prone to take more trades and that's going to create a net loss. Yeah. So yep. that's where the problem comes in. And it's almost like for, for whatever reason, I mean, that, my last interview, the guy said, look, if you're up 100% for the month, um, which which I was this month, just stop trading. Just stop trading and wait till the end of the month, which was like six days away. And he was right. <laughs> I should have stopped. Yeah. I should have oh. stopped. And I was like, he he was right. But in my the back of my mind, it was like, hang on a sec. But in theory, if I managed to do that in the first half of the month, why can't I? I should be able to carry it on. I should be consistent enough to carry it on. But yeah. um, but I suppose to your point, it's like, well, yeah, if you have two two trades, you break even, you're done for the day. You said you're going to have two. You stop. Then that's just discipline, isn't it? It's like you know, yeah. In theory, you could do it the whole day, but you're probably going to end up what? You could be end up well down by the end of the day. This is your discipline, yeah. So true. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the thing is, I mean, um, we've created this notion that okay, for you to because like here's here's the thing, um, when people start trading, they come to trading to have independence of time, right? And if you're on the charts for, let's say, four or five hours a day. There's no independence of time. None. Yeah. Because after those four or five hours, you have you have to maybe go to the gym or spend time with the family or do some other stuff, right? So then there's no independence of time. So what I say is, like, if you're going to choose... So you need to be able to choose a bracket of your day. Like, let's say if you're going to choose maybe three hours out of the day that, okay, in these three hours, this is my time to look at the markets. Right. And in these three hours, I'm going to focus on one or two trades, no matter what, like a part time job. You know, yeah. for me, I know I have to be at the markets at like 630 in the morning till 930 uh, for these three hours, win or loss. That's it. After that, I don't have to look at charts. But now I'm at a point where um, where if I start to look at the charts at like 10, 1030, I just get anxiety i just don't want to look at the charts right because inside i know my time is done because um now i right now have like 500 members right and they send me charts at times so, you know, so some sometimes they send me really good setups at the times where i should not be trading and i don't look at the charts after that because you know it's like when you go to your job and you're done for the day and looking at charts is like you sit in the car and just watch the building after you're done for the day Right, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You know, you're just yeah. sitting watching the building. Uh, I wonder what they're doing in there. <laughs> no, go home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's tough. It, yeah, it, and that you're right. It's, it's discipline, and I suppose that comes with um, beside it, patience as well. Now, look, 
but, but instead of us sort of diving into sort of a lot of the solutions around what can help people now, let's go through some of the questions I normally ask on the show, and um, and start off by like finding out how you you got into this, and and we'll, I'll ask a few questions, or we'll really dive into details here. Okay, yeah. Um, the way how I got into it was um, so it's so it's like. So, like, you know how you normally find people who say, that, oh, yeah, you know, like, I had a bad job, this and that, and then Forex saved me and all that big yeah. pitch they have. Um, for me, I started trading when I was 28. Um, I was doing good. I was making around 120 a year in my sales job. So, I had money saved up. So, it's not like, you know, I came from a, from a bad background. I came from a very, like, financially stable background. Um, so, I started at 28. The reason for me to start that was because I was working in sales for maybe nine, 10 hours a day from Monday to Saturday. And I saw this one guy, Ted, um, he, he, he became a mentor and then, you know, now we're good friends. Um, so I saw him, he was making almost the same amount as me per week by working two, three hours in a day, you know? So, so when I saw that, I was very intrigued. I was like, wow, man, like, like he's making almost the same as me working less than half the hours I am. So at that point, I knew what trading was. I knew what Forex was. But like Forex to me was like, okay, if you want to sell, you have to buy something. Like, you know, like with stocks yeah. and stuff. So so I was kind of confused with that. So I used to ask him like questions here and there. And he told me this is what and this is that. So um, that's how I got into it. Like my, my, my whole idea was to basically make the same amount at my job in less amount of time so that that can allow me to do some other things in life and how did you how did you progress from there i suppose with ted it might have sped things up a bit yeah so basically um i'm i'm a big advocate of like if you want to do something big and if you want to do something right you need to know the right people you know or you need to know the people who are actually doing what you want to do so i had a choice of choosing basically two types of mentors one was your young person with a nice car and the other one was an older guy with life experience and who's actually doing something that you want to do so i obviously chose the older person and um so like you know we had a little group so we'd go in the group we would every morning we would send in analysis and we would share charts and we would talk about the positions we are going to take so for the first couple of months that went really really well and I think the reason why that went well was because we had a predetermined time that we we're going to come on the markets and try to trade. But like, you know, as a new trader, when you start, you want to learn something more, you know, you want to educate yourself. So I started educating myself in Fibonacci's, trend lines, harmonic patterns, and man, like Pitchfork, and I don't even want to go into yeah. that rabbit hole. <laughs> it was so much stuff I started learning. And what ultimately happening was that um, I basically derailed myself from the things that were working onto the things that were new and they were contradicting each other, right? So let's say you have EMAs on the chart and you have, for example, let's say the Bollinger Bands, you know? So there would be times where both indicators are going to contradict themselves. Yeah. Right? And at that point, you just lost. You're just like, man, I have no idea what's going on. So um, after I went down that rabbit hole, I, I lost a quite a bit of money. I lost almost 80% of my savings. And I really had to step back and to see and figure out what was really happening here. You know, so um, I think having a mentor really helped me in that case because I could always go back and ask them questions about my performance, you know, or like, hey, man, like we were profitable in the first few months. How come I'm taking losses in the next seven, eight months? And what sort of what sort of techniques were you using in the first seven or eight eight months that were giving you this profit? Um, the first two three months profits were basically what we were doing was we were literally so we were all new right we were still learning so we were sticking to the basics and the basics were we were only looking at the four hour candles across eight currency pairs, you know so our strategy was that we would wait for every four hour candle to close so let's say four hour candle here in the eastern time zone. They close at, well, they open at 1 p.m., 5 p.m., 9 p.m., 1 p.m., and so on. So we would wait for them to close. And across those eight pairs, whichever four-hour candle would close at either a support or a resistance, we would take a buy or a sell, respectively, right, with like a 10, 15 pip stop loss. And 
I would say seven out of 10 times, those trades would go into 15 pip, 10 to 15 pip profits. We would close and then we would wait for the next four hour candle to close, you know? So it was like a mindless robotic system, you know, like waiting for the four hour to close, which one was at a zone and take the opposite trade and let it play out. And so, so what did your uh, what did the systems you sort of I suppose tried after that look like compared to how simple that was? Um, basically, what happened was that um, so our stop would almost be like you know like 15, 10, 15 pips. So number one problem I had was that I started removing my stops. Um, you know um, that's when that happens when you start winning, and then once your position starts to go in drawdown, you feel like it will still come in your way, and then you start expanding your stops so you start removing the stops you know in the hopes of you know like price is going to come back in but it never did and once you start going to drawdown then you start to look for um, external indicators that can maybe guide you in like where price can reverse right <laughs> yeah you know so yeah. so now you know we're going down a, a steep steep cliff over here <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so that's where all the confusion came in <laughs> when we went down that rabbit hole. And and so how did so okay so you were profitable then confusion and then um, how did you get to where you are now? Because I I watched your latest live stream or probably t- two of them ago, uh, and you it looked like I mean I could see what you were doing. Um, it looked like you had supply and demand zones in there and a lot of sort mm. of candlestick action. I mean, how did you get to that point? Mm-hmm. So. Basically, what happened was that I started taking I started taking a lot of losses, and um, at that time I had a few students as well. So I was like, "Man, this is very embarrassing," you know. Like I have students, I'm not doing too well. You know, what kind of image is that going to portray? So I went back to Ted. I asked him, "Hey, you, you know what?" So he he basically asked me, "Well, like you know, all you have to do is to look at your past performance, look at the profitable trades you had, and what I found out was now that all my profitable trades they had the same candle setup, you know, like visually on the charts, they all looked the same. There wasn't any difference. Like, you know, maybe like a, like a few times here and there, there'd be a little different, but most of the times they were all visually the same, but my losses were all random losses. You know, my losses were all illogical. I mean, they were just like impulse buys and sells, you know, but my winning trades were all thought out trades. Right. And, and then I said to myself, okay, you know what, maybe back in the day I had no indicators. I'm like, okay, perfect. So first step I had to do is to remove indicators. So I'm like, okay, so so I removed indicators. Now indicators were removed. And then the second step was, okay, what was I actually doing? So we were waiting for candles to close, right? So let's say for four-hour candles that are resistance, we were taking cells and keeping our stops above the previous candle or, you know, 10, 15 pips. So I'm like, okay, perfect. So we were selling four-hour candles from resistance. So now how can I make that better? You know, how can I like if I'm going to enter that trade, how can I make sure that I have a better confirmation or I can make that trade better? You know, so then I had to dive into the smaller ones, like the one hour time frame or the 30 minute time frame. And I remember um, this one time we were on the live streams and um, someone sent a chart and they were trying to take cells on. I think it was the it was it was a pound yen. They were taking cells while the candles were bullish. And Ted said. Why are you taking cells when candles are going bullish? Why not wait for a candle to close in your direction so that you can take the correct trade? You know, it's, it's mm. like a bus. If you, if you stand at a bus stand and if you want to go left and all buses are going right, it makes no sense to jump on the bus that goes right in the hopes that it might turn left. Mm. It's better to wait for the bus to go left to jump on it. Funny thing is, I heard you say that on that live stream I watched, which is oh, <laughs> I literally you said it. You would have said that two days ago. So yeah. crazy. So, so, but it makes sense so, though, and it was it was the one thing I sort of took away and, and thought, man, that is a good point. I should actually do that myself. Yeah. So so then I started to look at it. Okay, if the four hour candle is going to go bearish, what kind of a signs can I look on the thirty minute time frame? And the only thing that now here's the thing. When you first started, no one used to look at the 30-minute time frame. It, it was almost the 5, the 15, and the jump to the one hour. Yeah. Right? So I started to look at the 30 minutes, and I found out was that, okay, if you have a 30-minute candle closing bearish, then there's a higher chance 
for the next 30 minute candle to continue bearish as well. Mm. Right. Yeah. And if we're looking at charts now, here's the kicker. If we're looking at charts, we're looking at prices, but obviously we're looking at the candlestick chart. So our trade is going to be where we anticipate a certain candle to move. Let it be a 30 minute candle, a one hour candle or a four hour. So if you're trading a pair, which has a lot of volume, let's say like GPJPY or gold, you know that a 30 minute candle on those pairs is going to be at least 10, 15 pips. You know, yep. a one hour candle is going to be 15 to 20 pips. So, if you can anticipate the next 30 minute or the one hour candle, that's your, that's your trade for the day. Um, like if you're, yep. yeah. So um, this, this morning, this exact same thing happened uh, when the pound rallied after the interest rates, it reached the weekly open and the 30 minute candle finished bearish. And before we left the stream, I entered cells and it went bearish. And that to me just reconfirmed the idea that, okay, now we move from the four hour down to a smaller time frame chart for better confirmations. Yeah. So, so that's, um, it's funny. I'm, I had a theory which has appeared recently where it's like, if you, if I, if I look at a five minute candle, nine times, well, not, maybe not nine, maybe eight times out of 10, it will mm. push in the, in the direction that it's not going to go in for the first half of the candle. And then mm. the second half of the candle, around about like the two and a half minute mark, so there or thereabouts, it'll head down where it's going to end up. And so it might start bullish and then close bearish. Is that something that's sort of similar to what you're talking about here? Exactly. Exactly, but on a higher time frame. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's like, it's like let's say you have a 30-minute or the one-hour candle. So... If you have a one-hour candle, you're breaking down the one-hour candle into four 15-minute candles, or you're breaking down the 30-minute candle into two 15-minute candles. Like, let's say the first half goes bullish, and if it if the first half of the 30-minute candle, which is a 15-minute candle, closes like a bullish rejection, then you know that, okay, if the overall 30-minute has to go bearish, the 15-minute will also tend to go bare. So you're absolutely right. Right, yeah. Okay, I thought, yeah, and so in a five minutes, very hard to sort of see because it's made up of five one minutes. So I can see it being much easier on a higher time frame. It makes sense. Okay, cool. So um, so that's where you got, so how did the, how did you sort of perfect your support resistance zones? Um, honestly, it was mainly just by looking at where the most recent rejections are. Right. Because um, when you're looking at the candlestick charts, what I found is that when a candle is moving, the candle is constantly looking left. Right. Candle is constantly looking left to see that where did the other candles kind of like, you know, consolidated or where did the other candles of that specific time frame, they rejected a price level. Right. Yep. So the candle looks left to see what the candles to the left did. And then the candle looks to the right to see what price was this at, right? So let's say GPJPY, it taps, it comes down to, let's say, hypothetically speaking, 142.300, you know, and if you look left that, okay, 142.300 was rejected before. So then you're kind of like, okay, there's a higher chance price might reject 142.300 again. Right. So support resistance zones, you know, I'm going to be honest here. Um, it takes practice. You know, it takes practice and the way how I got better at it was continuously practicing and sending my charts to the public, you know, or to coming on the live streams and drawing support resistance every day in front of everybody. And sometimes, you know, it might be wrong and someone would come on and say, oh, hey, Raja, I think your your zone is a little bit off so you might want to adjust it so then you know then i would adjust it there's no shame in that it, and at, at the end of the day you just get better yeah yeah it is a, so, it, yeah sorry go on yeah so like um so normally what happens is when someone starts trading they i encourage everybody whoever it is i can i encourage everyone who's listening to send your charts to someone who can review them for you you know um, I get a lot of, you know, comments saying that, oh, you know what, we're not good enough yet to send charts. 
the thing is, if you're not going to send charts where you're not good enough, you're never going to get there, right? Because Forex is like a sport. The more you play, the more someone watches you play, the better they'll be able to assist you with that. Mm. You know, so you always have to send charts, send your analysis, no matter how bad. Man, trust me, my analysis, I mean, if if I send my old analysis, everyone would laugh at that. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, what is Raja doing over here? <laughs> you know? It is so true, though. I mean, look, I, I play uh, football, soccer, uh, for you guys. And it's, I mean, I uh, most of my team in the winter, they stop. They they do the three months of football in the winter. They stop. Yeah. Then they come back and do the next three months the next year. Whereas I just keep playing the whole summer through. And yeah. by the start of the season, I'm like, this is no different for me. I'm literally at the sort of top of my game again, and these guys are all like waiting for four or five games before they get even close to getting to near where the top of their game is, and it makes such yeah. a difference. And, and I look, you know, trading is exactly the same. Um, so, is, yeah. a couple of questions. So, the, it sounds like to me that even though Ted was your mentor, he didn't really give you all the answers. Is that is that correct? He sort of you know gave you some ideas and concepts, but you had to go and work it all out for yourself. Yeah, because the thing is, um, everyone's different, right? Everyone has different life experiences and everyone views things very, very differently. Um, so since we do the live streams, we're all on the live streams together. We all might have the same destination where price might go to, but the entry, but let's say the entry criteria or the way price is going to get there is sometimes different. Right. So yeah. he provided me with the tools to succeed. Let's put it that way. You know, he provided me with the tools, the steps needed. And then I had to basically decide on my own how to pedal the bike. Yeah. So yeah. Another thing I want to touch on is so around these zones and, you know, not drawing them perfectly every single time is mm. is this sort of, I suppose, this is probably something I've struggled with, and I'm sure a lot of other people out there have struggled with around thinking, feel, feeling that you need to have a very sort of consistent way that you do something so that every single time that consistent way is essentially perfect. Um, or is there a sort of scope for variation that can still, I don't know, I suppose it's that discretionary scope. So, so if there's a consistent way that you draw zones every time, and then all of a sudden, you know, somebody else says, I don't think you've got it quite correct. Would you still be drawing it to your consistent pattern to match what they're suggesting? Or would you be adapting your consistency to, to something that's not, in part, I suppose, part of your plan or part of the way that you do it? See, to answer that question, I'll have to go into a little bit more detail on about volumes in the market, if, if you're okay with yeah, that. Th yeah, sure. Okay, so um, basically we have to understand why are zones created, right? Zones are created in times of the market when there's low volume. You know, so let's say if you jump on the London Open, you'll see that there's going to be a lot of volume and, you know, the pound pairs are going to be very volatile. Um, hour and a half after London Open, there's some sort of consolidation, right? So when price starts to consolidate, it's, it will start to consolidate at an area where it had consolidated before, or it had rejected that area before, right? So that becomes your zone. Because now, you know, after London Open, the next time for volume is going to be pre-New York, and then you're going to have New York Open, NYC Open, and then you're going to have London Close. So there are times between these volume pushes where price consolidates or price reaches a zone where it has reached before as well. So when, when people draw zones, they try to really perfect them. You know, and and nothing is accurate. Nothing is perfect because you know, like you 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 spend quite a few years on the market, and you know, like sometimes the candles are going to go deep in the zone, and then they will just like like you know close above it after a big push. And at times, it's not going to make sense, right? But coming back to my last point is that whenever you come to the charts, you have to refresh the, your zones, which means you have to remove everything and then redraw your zones. This also means that you spent three hours, let's say yesterday at the same time, and now you're coming back to the charts the next day for the new three hours, and you're removing everything and redrawing your zones again. Right. Because most times people have this habit of like, you know, they'll keep the zones on and they won't remove it. 
they'll keep the same zones for weeks on end. And at the end of the day, what happens is now you have a bunch of lines on a chart, which are just confusing you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I suppose uh, it, it is, it does sound like it's a, it's a practice thing really, isn't it? You, the more you practice, the better you're going to get at drawing zones that are more consistent and um, more accurate to the trading style that you, that you're, deciding to do is that right is it was that a way to, good way to put it yes and it it honestly it takes time yeah it 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 takes time like i look at um so our family business is in leather right so my uh my family's been in leather business for 30 years when we first came to canada we started from a small flea market and they kind of looked at our business model we had it was about like you know we started nine years ago here from flea markets and now we have three stores in big malls in um, Toronto here. Right. So it took nine years to get that, to that point. So when I looked at trading, and I knew it was going to take time, but I think I kind of I kind of underestimated it because I thought, okay, like you know, within the first four or five months, I should be making big big gains and my analysis should be perfect. But it wasn't the case. You know, like very quickly, I learned how fast you can put your money at risk. You know, like how fast, like. Um, now with these platforms, man, it takes less than a second to put your money at risk. Mm. Like you have the buy button, you have the sell button, no problem. You know, if people were to run a lap before they could open a trade, I can guarantee you 90% won't ever open a trade because they know they have to run a lap before <laughs> they open a trade, yeah. you know? <laughs> So they'd be very selective about things they do. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, right, let's let's carry on with some more of the questions from the from the show because I've got a, quite a few to get through, and I know we can whip through them. It's the time we've got now. So, if you had to sort of drop a whole bunch of stats around what your trading looks like from you know percentage of winners, uh, number of trades you place a day, uh, number of pairs that you trade now. Um, risk to reward ratio, that sort of thing. What, what does it look like? Um, I think right now my risk reward, my, my risk reward is mainly one-to-one. And to contrary belief, one-to-one is pretty okay because um, gauging for my win percentage, I think my win percentage is, now I'm not going to give myself a lot of marks. I think on the low end, it's around 80%. Right. 80%. So with keeping that in mind, one-to-one risk reward works perfectly. And the most important methodology I adopt is, um, so I look at two pairs, gold and the pound yen. What I'm going to see is that I'm going to see which pair is making a high or it's making a low, you know, because once something is making a high or a low, I know that, okay, this is trending. And there's an 80% chance that that high or low will always be retested. And that's the move I'm looking to take uh, all the time. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. And uh, so it's only the two pairs. And I suppose, yeah, because you've only got two hours a day anyway. And uh, and how long are these trades lasting for? Um, these trades last me from like sometimes, you know, like they're very high volume pairs. Sometimes they can last like five minutes. Um, on the high end of the spectrum, I'd say like 20 minutes to 30 minutes. If I decide to let one run with stops at break even, that could maybe run for like an hour or an hour and a half. So. Cool. And what about when the whole sort of cryptocurrency boom happened? I mean, did you decide to leave that alone, dive in? Are you are you still active in them at all? Uh, we just watched them. We watched it rally. I mean, at that point, I wasn't really interested in Bitcoin. Um, so we just basically watched it rally. By the time it went to like 19,000 US dollars, then there was this wave of people coming in saying, oh, you need to buy now, you need to buy now. So like, you know, we're, we're looking at markets every day and we basically look left. We're like, man, there's nothing to the left. There's no historical data to support this price. I suppose, right? We, like, yeah, 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 I know. And, and so one question I've got is, which has confused me, I suppose, over the years is if the price is sort of pushed up to like new highs and looking left is, you know, you're looking probably, you might be looking a year or so ago. Are those levels still valid a year or so ago in your perspective? Yes, those levels are still valid. But at the same time, you also have to look at the price, right? So let's say um, GPJPY, it runs up. Or let's say um, that the gold, let's say gold runs up $15 
in a day, right? And yeah. it reaches a point where you're like, oh man, you know what? We reached this level maybe six years ago. So now you have to look at the fact that, okay, gold has ran up $17. How does that make sense economically? You know, can the world markets can really absorb a $17 run on gold in one day? Mm-hmm. Or are they expecting a retracement? You know, or are they, or like that's the word they call for correction that okay we have this big massive rally there has to be a correction to balance the market right 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 so you so you're sort of right. looking for something to to come back to a level that's probably more recent is that what you're saying yes exactly and the way to gauge that is now when you're looking at downtrends for example right we know that price is going to make lower highs and lower lows so the candles let's say on the one hour they also make downtrends. And the way they make downtrends is that candles, if they were to come down, they will make lower highs and lower lows. Like the candles will close below each other. That's where you can kind of gauge that, okay, now maybe this level is being respected because we have a confirmation on the one hour time frame that, okay, now the candles might end up going bearish. Okay, right, right with you. Now, um, in the beginning, what do you think made you different from the average mum or dad, dad trader out there? I mean, I, I know you had uh, Ted there helping you. I mean, mm. someone that didn't have that kind of mentoring, what what do you think made, or, or even, sorry, I suppose if you, yeah, even with, I suppose there, just from a personality point of view, what do you think made you different? Um, I remember when we first started, I was aiming for, you know, 10, 15 tips and that, that caused a lot of backlash um, from the community because it, it was this thing started that, okay, you know what, these guys only take 10, 15 pips, small trades. We're looking for 100 pip trades, right? right? And that kind of that helped me with my personality because I have a very impatient personality. You know, like I, I get very angsty when I'm in the trade for a long time. So it suited my personality to be in and out of the market, knowing what my results were for the day, you know, because um, I started, because like once I got proficient in catching the, you know, like 10, 15 pips, then I wanted to catch the big moves. I wanted to catch the 100 pip moves. And what I found out was, now this is very interesting. When I was trying to see that, okay, where I was profitable and where I was losing, I was losing on the fact that when I was looking for big moves, my positions were always going profits for like 10, 15 pips. And after that, they would always go back in negative if I'm looking for a swing trade, right? So I looked at that and said, okay, hang on there. If 70 to 80% of the time, my positions go in 10, 15 pip profits, I can secure those profits 100% of the time. And then I can leave a runner at break even in the anticipation that, okay, they might keep on running. Yeah. So that's something I really, really took to heart. What do you recommend a, a retail, retail trader who's working a day job do to start out as a trader or start earning income as a trader? See, if you have a day job, um, you need to figure out a time which you can dedicate to the markets. Now, I so when I was working for, for my sales office, I was actually running a sales office with my friend. Uh, we would we had to be at the office at 8.30 in the morning. So that means I had to leave my house at 8 a.m. So so what we would do is we would wake up at 5.30. From 5.30 till 7.30, we would try to look for one trade, which is basically the start of a new four-hour candle. And that was basically it. And, you know, if we would enter a trade, we would let it run by the time I'd get to my office. And by the time our morning meetings would start, I would know whether this trade was a win or a loss. Yeah. And based on that, I would just like, you know, review if this was a loss, how could I have taken the correct trade? If it was a win, how could I have further exploited it? You know, and then I would take that information on to the next day. Cool. So very slowly, but surely. So, yep. So to do that, was it? Did you find it difficult to do? Like, because I know there's sort of that that probably compulsion to, you know, overtrade or, or um, you know, think you should be doing more. How did you manage that? Yeah, um, that mainly came when I had a lot of time on my hands, you know, because I got to the point where I was consistently making five, six hundred US dollars a day by the time I was getting to office. So, like in a week, I was making around let's say 2,500 and that made me really slack on my job 
you know, so I started to take the office really like, you know, lightly. I wasn't paying attention to my agents and this and that. So that provided me a lot of free time. So when I had free time, then I had time to overtrade. Right. You know, yeah. when you don't have free time, you're not overtrading because, you know, like once you get into the mindset that, okay, you know what, I have to properly analyze this and I probably can't take a trade, you're not going to take a trade. Yeah, it's interesting. Eh? That oh. is interesting. Um, so, uh, technicals, if you had to recommend three things uh, a novice or intermediate trader educate themselves on, what would they be? The first thing would be to wait for the candles to close. Second thing is going to be whenever you see a big candle forming and it seemed like the move is done, it means the move is done. You need to, you were late and you need to figure out how could you have taken that big move, right? And the third thing is going to be always look for where your stop is going to be before even thinking about a trade. Right. Good advice. I like that. Yeah. Cool. Now we're going to jump into the quickfire round. So this is uh, nine All questions right. help the traders sort of understand exactly what it takes to become successful. So how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Four years. What's your mental approach to trading? And do you have any special techniques you can share with us? I always know exactly how much I'm losing in a particular trade. What's your favorite entry setup? Um, when the price makes a high or a low, and then let's say if price makes a high, and if I see a low forming with the bullish candle on the 30-minute time frame, that's my idea to enter the trade to take a buy. What strategies do you use to exit or manage active trades? Um, once price reaches a minor support or resistance, I look to secure profits, and then I trail stop losses under bullish candles or over the bearish candles. What's your recommended trading book? Um, the only book I read was uh, 10 Essentials of Forex. Pretty good book. Uh, if there was one thing you'd recommend any retail sp retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be, why, and how could they go about mastering it? Discipline. Discipline, waiting for candles to close, and really understand that this is a long-term game. What's your preferred broker and trading platform? Um, I use VantageFX and MetaTrader 5. What's the worst trade you ever had? Oh, man. I remember these sales I took at Asian session on gold. No, I, I took buys at gold. was at resistance in the Asian session two years ago with 16 lots. Price came down to my stop loss. I, I removed my stop loss, and it turned out to be a very, very long and painful night. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah it was bad if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice what would it be um the best advice i can give somebody is that in the markets you will get paid to wait and if you're not if you're not going to wait you will be paying the market hmm, i like that one never heard that in uh, almost 200 episodes right oh. brilliant <laughs> Last question of the show here, Raja. So we'd like you to give us the bones of a trading strategy, entry setup, stop loss, take profit targets, market time frame. Basically something our listeners can have a bit of a play with at home this week. Okay, guys. So so here's a golden advice here for me. Um, the golden advice is, so for example, let's say if you're looking for buys, you're looking for price to make higher highs and higher lows, right? It's very easy. But let's say if price has created a high on the four-hour candle, and you're expecting the next four-hour candle to continue up, what you have to do is you need to break down to the 30-minute time frame, and you need to see that, okay, the 30-minute time frame will now retrace, which means it will come down. And once it's forming bearish candles, you have to wait for a candle to close bullish. When you have a candle closing bullish on the 30-minute time frame, that's going to be an indication that, okay, maybe a minor support has been formed, which might support the price to continue up to retest the height just created. So a stop loss is going to be below that candle, the bullish candle, and you're anticipating the next candle to respect the low and continue moving up. And 80% of the time, price will always retest the high or it will always retest the low in a bearish market. Got it. Perfect. That's, that's like my probability I go off of. And those are the only trades I execute on the live streams. And so far, they're working.
Brilliant. So I suppose if you want to find out how to do it, guys, head over to the live stream. So on that note, what's the best way uh, for traders to get hold of you? Um, the best way for traders to get hold of me is on the live streams, which is youtube.com slash Wix Don't Lie. And the same handle name on Instagram, Wix Don't Lie. Brilliant. Well, look, a big thank you to you, Raja, for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links, are in the show notes to find them. Simply search for Raja on the search box in tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, there we have it. Now, remember to check out the video we shot after the show. Links are in the description, uh, either YouTube channel or you can check it out on tradingnut.com. Short little video goes through the strategy he talked about at the end of the show. Now, last but not least, if you've been following along the Robot Traders Club I run, we put new robots out there every single month, test them, see how they work. Um, We've got one that's going really, really well. It's seeing massive growth on the... uh for all, basically everyone that's using it is getting massive growth. The test account I'm running started off with 100 bucks. It's now up to 350. So, and that's within two months. Uh, so, guys, if you want to go and check all this stuff out, head over there or send me a message, and I'll give you a bit more information about it. On the other hand, if you don't want to join in the fun and you want to do your own thing, you want to build your own strategies, but you don't know how to code, don't know how to build, want to have the skills, you can get it in 21 days. I've got the Robot Builders Club there as well, which is a 21-day course. It sort of ties in with the Robot Traders Club. There's a whole bunch of bonuses. Um, Just go and check it out. There's links also in the show description, so go and check that out, guys. All right, until next time, I wish you guys a safe and happy trading week. Okay, this one's for the fanatics. I thought I'd add this here at the very end. So, right, at the start of the show, I briefly mentioned the guys who had gone to the Trading Nut bar, bought me a virtual beer. One of the guys, Chris Howard, is the only listener of the show that I have actually had a beer with. Well, it's a bit of a lie. He did buy me a drink, but it wasn't a beer because I had I was on antibiotics at the time. It would have been a beer. We're in a pub, like the setting was there. But hey, look, Chris, thanks for heading to the virtual bar again. And uh, all the best. If you guys are fanatics of the show, then you will know that you would have heard his name mentioned probably in an older episode of 52 Traders. So go and hunt it out if you can. All right, see you guys. Bye.